grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and Jonna here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is episode number 110, and today we have an interview for you. So gentlemen, in specific, listen up, because this is for the husbands. Yeah, so we interviewed a guy named John Michael Clark. John Michael is a coach of a program called The Family Captain, where he teaches men to you know, really step into their roles as the leader of the family. He is a pastor of a newly launched church in Virginia. And he, what else did I say he was, John? He's the host of the Family Captain podcast. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So John Michael's out here just influencing men on how to be godly leaders of their home and husbands the way we, we, I'm not a husband. You are not a husband. You guys have been called to be. Uh, probably an important pre-qualification here, too. He's been married to his wife, Natalie, for, I think, 14 years. 14 years. They've got three boys. So they're they're just in the stage ahead of us. Their youngest child is the age of our oldest. So I think get some wisdom that we certainly cannot offer from him on parenting and family life. So, For sure. Uh, some things he covers that are really important that we all want to really lean into would be the three legs of leadership that he teaches. Uh, and overall, just all the things he has to say from a biblical design of like, hey, like, how did God design the family and what are we missing here? And so it's an important episode. I think we all can learn a ton from. So without further ado, here is John Michael Clark. John Michael Clark, welcome to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast, man. Thanks for being with us. Of course. I'm so happy to be with you guys. Good morning, John Michael. Okay, so you go by John Michael, correct? I do. I, I like to keep it complicated for folks. Nice. I love it. I can't help but think about John Michael Montgomery, the country singer, though. Are you familiar with him? <laughs> I am. I don't think I got named after John Michael Montgomery, but uh, I am from <laughs> the South, so... That was just I mean, something that mom and dad fits. decided to do. I like it. It fits. Well, good morning, John. Thank John Michael. Thank you for being with us. Um, so I know Chris and you got to chat a little bit pre-recording here, but for myself and for our listeners, um, can you fill us in about who John Michael, not Montgomery, is and why we've got you here today? Absolutely. So I am a Christ follower. I have been married to Natalie for 14 years, my dream girl. We have three boys, Elijah, Brock, and Hudson, ages 13, 10, and 6. We're raising them on the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia. I'm the pastor of Salt Church. We are, uh, we've planted a few months back. We're about three and a half months old. And I am the owner of The Family Captain. That's my business where I coach Christ-following men in family leadership, and sex and marriage. So I do a lot of work talking about what it looks like to practically lead your family with strength and love, where a lot of us guys in the church world in the West have uh, gotten messages that were mixed sometimes, uh, sometimes just totally lacking 
any kind of clarity, practicality, and then a lot of times just missing even the truth of what God has called men to do and men to be in and for their families. So doing doing a lot of work there and, and helping guys to make great progress so that families can thrive and ultimately that the kingdom comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. That's fantastic. And you know what? I just want to bring up, I appreciate that you're a pastor who is talking to men about sex, because I think that that's something, and Chris and I have talked about this on our show before, that really is still kind of taboo in the church world, and there's not a lot of guidance on it, and it's so important in marriage. So I look forward to getting to that. And I also want to give you kudos and shout out to the guys who are listening. When he said Natalie, his wife is his dream girl Wow! on this podcast. Just look bad, that is brownie points. That's good. Take notes. Yeah. Well, I hope she listens. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude, I love it. Well, so like Jonna mentioned, me and you connected before this and actually how we connected was kind of awesome. So there was a guy on a dad group and he posted something along the lines of, he was looking for some guys to get together with and study the Bible and stuff like that. And he was, he was, he was talking about, you know, just the, just the patriarchy and all that stuff. And somebody tagged you and we're like, Hey, check out this guy's content. And I looked at your profile, watched a couple of your videos. And I was like, this guy is fire. We got to have this guy on the podcast. So reaching out to you, man, I think the most powerful thing that we can talk about today um, becomes the role of the husband, like God's, God's design for how we are supposed to show up for our wives, God's design for, for how we are supposed to raise our kids um, and do it under godly, under godly principles. So, uh, man, the first thing, the first thing I want to ask you is just uh, like, what, what is God's design for the family? Yeah. Well, I'm glad we started off with a little softball here. Uh, <laughs> right. So that's a big <laughs> one. Easy on just... Right. <laughs> so, um, like a lot of things, I mean, we can always just go back to the to the beginning and see what was God's original intention, and how did He kick things off, and, and what did He want. So, uh, I'm a simple guy. It's it's not an act. It's really just a, a genuine approach of mine. Where I'm like, man, I'm not the smartest guy. I don't know all of the things. I don't speak the Greek, Hebrew, transliteration of the Aramaic. But uh, I do know how to read. So that's been my claim to fame is that I pick up the book of God and I read it and believe it and do my best to apply it honestly without participating in biblical gymnastics. So when I look back at Genesis, I see God starts a family and he, he starts with Adam and he loves him and he gives him work to do. And they walk together in the cool of the day. And I think if everything had gone According to plan from day one, that would have been it. We all lived happily ever after. So um, when I look back, I see, you know, God makes Adam. God makes Eve. Eve is to be Adam's helper. And they are to establish God's rule and reign, but also with what God has put into them. So it seems as though God is delighting in his children. God's coming down to see what Adam would name the animals, the scripture says, so we see a father who loves his kids, and yeah, we see Adam's headship over humanity. We see Adam is created as head over Eve. Of course, humanity doesn't fall into sin because of Eve's sin. Scripture doesn't teach that at all. We only fall when Adam sins, even though he was the one who did it second. 
So we know there's this big responsibility on man right away. Man has authority over woman and woman is designed by God to be a helper to man. And together they're, they're supposed to crush it. They're supposed to expand. I think that they were supposed to expand beyond the garden, that the garden, that, that their dominion was supposed to continue to go farther and farther and farther. So multiplying, making lots of babies for the glory of God, training those babies to love. Yeah. You guys are rocking that one out. (laughs) So making babies, you know, I don't think it was that complicated. I think it was supposed to be, man, God loves his children and they're going to love each other and they're going to love him. And yeah, there are distinct roles within that. So man as leader, woman as helper, let's love one another deeply. Let's teach children to love God and, and let's live happily ever after. I do want to clarify because I think anybody who's maybe newer to the Bible might have just gotten really tense when you said man has authority over woman. It is husband has authority over wife, right? Not just thank all you, men thank you for that clarification. Okay. Right, yeah. So specifically in the garden, Adam yes. having authority over his wife, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know anybody who might be new or maybe not even in the Bible might have heard that and just got like, oh, I got to I turn this off. Well, so to piggyback off of that clarification, I would like to ask. Is there anything in Scripture that says why God decided that or are we just in a place where we're like, look, we got to let God be God. We we don't understand this, uh, but his ways are higher than ours. Well, I think. I think that's a good question and it's definitely worth answering. And then depending on where it's coming from, I think sometimes um, I think part of the problem, whenever we go down that path and starting to ask those questions, wait, wait a second. Um, Sometimes the assumption might be, why does husband get to have authority? So even within that question, not that that's what you're asking, but even within that kind Mm -hmm. of questioning, uh, it would reveal uh, we're missing something. And we're, the, the point is that we're missing actually that it's a heavy burden. <laughs> so uh, what is the phrase? Heavy is the head that wears the crown. So in the same way, you know, Christ has authority over us. But here, here's what I teach about leadership for husband guys, for husbands, guys. It's that there are three legs to leadership. Now, most of the time when any of us think about leadership, we think exclusively about authority. Um, you know, we think who has the power, who is in charge, we would say. And whenever we go there, uh, a lot of times that just reveals it's just a starting point. You know, that's where my my sons, whenever they play with each other, of course, and they've got a new game. That's the most important thing to them because they want to know who's in charge, who has the power, who's the king in this game, who can make everybody else do their bidding. But I teach the three legs to leadership are compassion, responsibility and authority. And I define each of those very specifically. So compassion, I define as you love your family a lot and they know it. Um, Responsibility, I define as you take ownership of all of the outcomes. And then authority, I define as you have the power to do what is best for your family. So, of course, that authority is a two-edged sword. If I have the power to do what's best, I also have the power to do what's worse. But um, whether we like that or not, that's that's just what authority is. Um, mm-hmm. Authority is the power to be the decision maker, and I get this from what we see, what we see God doing. So, God so loved the world. So here we have God's compassion. His compassion is great. He loves us like crazy. That's wonderful. That he he what he took responsibility. He came and cleaned up the mess that we made. 
he takes ownership of the outcomes. He doesn't just abandon us to say, well, y'all did it, so solve it. And ultimately, of course, all authority in heaven and on earth is his. So we have this wise, perfect, loving God who leads us well. So that's the heart behind leadership and God's design for it. Now, back to your question, Chris, just to prove I wasn't dodging it. Do we have, <laughs> do we have uh, a clear explanation of why God made it thus and so? Um, I don't think that I see one where, you know, why God picked the man for this and why God picked the woman for that. Now, yeah, we see physical design. We see his specifics and the way he made us. Uh, we see even the, in the brain chemistry or, or in our physical bodies that he made men stronger than women or, or that he gave us different reflex abilities. So, you know, that would speak to the responsibilities of man of protecting or mm-hmm. providing, you know, to, to give a man the drive and the ambition that many men have felt and experienced, these are all to serve in his purpose of protector, provider, and leader. So I think he gave each of us the equipment that we need for each of our roles. And I think the other important distinction to know here is that these designs are good. This is not a win-lose scenario that he's created. It's like, oh, a man get to be in charge and and women have the lesser role of you know, doing what they're told instead of understanding hang on a second you know both of these things are good godly and beautiful it's actually modernity and the spirit of the age that has lied to us and and told us something different so good so chris and i actually recently had a conversation about this during a little we like we lovingly call it pillow talk time where we get into some deep conversations just reflecting on god's goodness in our life and what's interesting is like many women that have grown up in this culture, those that idea of submissiveness used to bother me. It used to scare me and kind of think of that, like, why does he get authority? Authority brought a very negative connotation with it. But as Chris and I have grown in our faith and dug more into the word and fallen into the roles that, that God clearly designed for us, it's been better. It's been like, I want I don't want the role of leader. I'm appreciative that God gave Chris the the right and the ability to lead our home and to make the deci- the big like the final big decisions and to yes protect us. That's the thing that I thought of when you guys were talking about uh, how God designed us. Chris is obviously bigger and stronger than me, and and if somebody breaks into our house, I don't want to be the one that's so called wearing the pants or the independent, don't need no man, woman. I want my husband to protect me. And, you know, in the home, I I feel called to take care of our children. And I could not do that if Chris wasn't going out and making the money and making sure our bills were paid and providing in that way. And, and just to wrap up this point, once Chris really started leading us and in diving into scripture and taking on his role as not just provider, but spiritual leader, our our relationship, our family has physically grown and just been blessed. I I mean, there's no other way to describe Praise it. Praise God. Yeah. 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 So, so, John, what would you say, or John Michael, sorry, <laughs> what would you say to the husband who feels like they've never established that role. Like they've always been blocked from it, whether their mom was the dominant one growing up or they married a woman who is a little more dominant or had that same structure growing up where the mom was kind of wearing the pants and he doesn't know how to establish that role. What would you say to that guy? Yeah. 
Um, I think two things. Number one, I would talk to him about just how dope it is to to grow in your calling as a family leader, how your ambition and your desires as a man to expand and to conquer. You know, we see that a lot of times in the workplace um, for pastors who are in ministry. We can see their their desires to grow things there. A lot of times those places are measurable. We know what to do. I know how to grow the business. I know what the church needs, but we don't always have a clear path forward when it comes to family leadership. So I just come home and I'm like, well, you know, it's Tuesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. You know, I'll ask my wife what's on the calendar and what's coming. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in, and unfortunately she feels that weight. She feels that burden. So even though she may be leading and she may think she wants that, it makes her and him both miserable. But I would talk to him about just the vision and the bigness of how awesome it is where you can establish your household and you can grow. You can grow God's influence. You can grow God's. You can receive more of the Lord's blessing in your home. So I would start to just give him a vision for that to see and based on where he is. And then the other side of that, I would just tell him, I would say there is a real path forward, uh, regardless of I don't. You know, if your wife marches at the front of the he-man or the or the the man-hating parade, and wears the <laughs> vagina hat, no matter who you're married to, like there is there's a genuine path forward where you can lead with strength and love. It does not involve controlling anyone. It doesn't involve manipulating anyone, and and you you can walk in obedience to the word of God regardless of anyone else's decisions. We all know that's true. It's always been true for every other subject area of life. And, and it's certainly true in this one as well. So I would give him hope and give him a vision, but I would also say, hey, man, there is a real path forward. So you just got to get some hunger for it and get some excitement to know, yes, you were made to be ambitious. And the things that you want to level up in life, you know, it doesn't have to be a video game where it's where it's a uh, simulation. You can genuinely level up your garden of your the garden of your wife, the garden of your children, the garden of your household. And, and it pleases the Lord. Amen to that, man. So let me ask you this. What I'm thinking of the passive leader, the leader who's like, I think I'm leading my family, um, but give me an idea of some evidence of somebody who is truly leading his family in the way God designed it. Yeah. So a man uh, who is leading his family well, uh, I want to look at his wife and kids, and that's going to tell me that's going to tell me a lot. So, you know, of course people hate generalizations nowadays, but unfortunately generalizations still work and they're still true. <laughs> so, um, you know, generally speaking, show me, show me a wife and, and, and let me have conversation and let me see how these people are doing. And yeah, show me a wife who's thriving and is just experiencing the blessing of the Lord. And, and I'm, I'm going to be able to show you a man who loves and leads his family. Well, those are going to be the fruitful evidences. This family is going to have a direction. They're not going to be at the mercy of um, whoever's going to end up in office next or whatever the Rona is going to do next or the next variant or the economy or anything else. They're not drifting out at sea. They're not just a generic Christian family. They are the, the Clarks. They are somebody specific. And we're saying this is who God has called us to be. These are our priorities. This is what we're about. So like I was saying, it's not just Tuesday. We'll see what happens. Wednesday, well, I don't know. We'll see what the world throws at us. But it's, we have a purpose. We have a direction. We have a point. We know what we're doing. We know where we're going. And this ship is no longer adrift out at sea. Are there icebergs out here? Yeah, but I'm going to navigate them and we're going to move forward. And my wife's going to know where we're heading and we're going to do this together. And 
our marriage is going to be thriving and our kids are going to be discipled and, and we're going to deliberately that's the biggie it's the it's the word deliberate it's the word intentional it's that the we are making we're doing things that we have chosen i'm no longer sitting back waiting for life to happen to my family but i'm i'm getting in the game and a guy would ask then he would ask well how do i do that well man we could go endlessly there like there's there's an unlimited amount of details but at the same time when when that's a man's heart he is going to find a path forward in the same way when a man, when a man loves a woman. <laughs> you are John that's, Michael uh, Montgomery. <laughs> right. that's, so that was, no, that's, I, I quoted that the other day as Michael Bolton. And then somebody was like, no, that, that was first done by so-and-so. And I was like, I have um, no idea who that is, but all knows the Michael Bolton version. We, we get it still. It's fine. <laughs> it works. Yeah. So um, when, when a man is in love with a woman, he doesn't have to go ask everybody, hey, how do I propose? Like dudes come up with ridiculous, creative and elaborate ways. Like they figure it out. They'll skydive, you know, onto the roof of the place that she's working or they'll do something ridiculous. They'll rent a football stadium for an hour. Like they're going to find a way forward. Why? Because it's a real desire in their heart to bless, to, to serve, to encourage, um, to show their love for this woman. I found that's what I had to do. Whenever I got serious about family leadership, I went on my own journey. And it was, for me, it was a million books. It was a million podcasts. It was a million articles. And I continue to put a piece here and a piece together here and a piece together there. But the the, the thing that comes first is the desire. Um, and I think a lot of times men don't have the desires because, you know, that's my temptation is I want to be lazy. Like it, mm. you know, the whole the spirit of the age, which tells us that everything has to be equal, equal, equal. Um, it's, it's a very, it was very convenient for me for years to adopt that perspective, even though it's not scriptural. It was very convenient because it didn't, I didn't have to say that I was lazy. I didn't have to acknowledge the sin of laziness or passivity in my life. I was able to just go, it's 50, 50. <laughs> and the advantage there was everything that was going wrong. Well, it's also half Natalie's fault, you know? So I don't have to take responsibility any more than Adam did in the garden when when he blamed Eve. Lord, or no, he blamed Eve and he blamed God, of course. It's not me. It's this woman that you gave. So I don't know what you and Eve are up to, Lord. I'm out here just trying to do live my best life, being naked, work in the garden. Um, and you and Eve have messed things up here. So there's a lot there. I don't know if I answered the question. No, dude, I think that's really good. I think that's really good. Uh, so something I'm thinking and something that comes up a lot on our show, one of our major pillars is spouse over kids, right? And I feel like it's very evident that we can see that one of, if not both, spouses in our culture today are putting the kids over the spouse. So when it comes to God's design, the role of the, role of the husband and the wife, um, what would you say to the husband who I'll ask a two part question? What what would you recommend or say to the husband who feels like the kids are over him? And also, what would you say to the husband who's putting the kids over her um, to really make sure we are putting God's design in place? Yeah, such an important question. And it's so common. So to the husband putting the kids before the wife, you know, the simple answer is repent. That's the easier. That's the easiest way to put it. Do the 180, and in turn, <clears throat> you know, there's probably a perspective there that's off, right? Like 
our mind needs to be renewed with the word of God. So we actually understand that it's not best. We think we're being virtuous. Oh, my kids are my life. You know, the kind of things that we say, I'll do anything for my children. Uh, you know, my spouse, they may leave you, but my kids are always blood. Like I've heard all kinds of weird justifications, uh, none of which God makes for anything. But we, we need to understand God's way is always best. He's not cheating us out of something. So first of all, we have to start there to know that he has the ideal. So if you want the best of the best of everything, you have to set down your mud pie, which is your perspective, and pick up the gold that he offers. No matter how beautiful you think the mud pie is or how, how perfectly you think you've shaped it, um, it's just not, it's never going to be as good or as satisfying. And it's always going to create problems and make people miserable. So for the guy doing it, man, stop doing it. You're missing out on God's best. And what's best for your kids is that you would love their mother well and that you would create a home where they feel secure because they know they're not in first place. And I know um, that sounds like it doesn't make sense, like you're going to create insecurities in them. But obeying God is always going to be best. And then for whatever it's worth, anecdotal evidence over here, uh, Natalie and I are super deliberate about saying that to the boys. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a joke at this point. The boys will bring my sons, they'll all compete in something or they'll draw something or they'll have some sort of ridiculous ninja dance off. And of course, daddy has to decide who the winner is. Uh, and a lot of times to, to tease them and mess with them, I'll say, and the winner is mommy and they're like oh no she didn't even do the ninja dance off <laughs> i'm like i know but she's the greatest so <laughs> so they just live with this constant frustration but they love that their daddy loves their mommy now on the other mm -hmm. side the one that god that the guys you know may may experience more frequently is this uh, mom moms are made to be nurturing this is part of their good design but just like fathers are made to to be strong and dads bring certain perspectives we can always go too far on, on different things, which is why scripture warns us not to be too harsh with our children, not to go too far. Fathers, fathers do make more demands, but we need, we need our wives to help us say, Hey baby, you know, I appreciate that you're leading with strength here, but I want you to be aware of this possibility that it may be coming on too strong. You may be exasperating the kids when it comes to X, Y, or Z. Can you please consider that? So that's really helpful. And I appreciate the nurturing gifts in my wife as God designed her to do that. However, of course, on that side as well, um, uh, mom, mom could be tempted to over mother. She could be tempted to, you know, keep the baby connected and tied up to the apron strings forever. So our, our youngest is six. And of course, Natalie still can refer to him sometimes as the baby. And, uh, and I've, I, and of course I always counter it whenever she's like, come here, my baby. And I'll say, that ain't no baby. That's daddy's man. So I make sure that he hears, you know, so he still get, you know, she still gets to have her baby. But I make sure that he is not the baby of the family. He may be mommy's baby, but he is not the baby. He's daddy's man. So we're finding we're finding ways to do that. Now, when it comes to her prioritizing the kids, that's something that a lot of times a husband will have to, depending on his wife's perspective, he'll have to help her. He'll have to actually possibly teach her. Now, if this is a hard position, if she has... Um, to borrow from my favorite leadership teacher here, if this is a bunker, if this is a heavily fortified position, as Jocko Willink teaches, you may have to flank. You may not be able to always come in directly, especially in the heat of the moment when she picks the kids over you and say, baby, this really hurts me. This really bothers me. She may just go, well, the kids are going to come first. Or she may even intellectually acknowledge that that's not the best thing, but she's still just going to do it. So 
um, you need to you need to create an environment where you are pushing back, where you're not just silent, where you're not just passive and building your resentment. That's a biggie that a lot of guys do. They just check into the Facebook group and say, "My wife hurts my feelings." Um, I've passive, I've tried to passive aggressively deal with it, but she doesn't respond. So I definitely saw this years ago in Natalie and I, where the boys were a priority. And that was something that it was a piece here and a piece there for me. Um, the tactics for each man though, that's going to get really specific. That's going to be like, well, I don't know what's the case. Well, my wife's like this, or our kids are like that. It is something you have to address, but depending on where your wife is, depending on what her perspective is, she needs to know that it's best as well. A mother needs to know that it's best to prioritize her husband. And, and that is what is best for the kids. So the more you're able to persuade them in that, because that's what they want. They love their children. So they're not trying to build idols for no reason. It's because they think this is what they're supposed to do. So you've got to take responsibility. Going back to the leg of responsibility, uh, everything that happens is not your fault, brother, but you've got to take ownership of the outcomes. So you've got to find the path forward where you do address the issue. Maybe you have to flank that heavily fortified position, but you do have to move it forward. You can't, you can't sit back eternally and just think, well, she won't change. I, I mentioned it to her one time. Well, we got to go further then. Clearly, she doesn't understand the why. So let's take responsibility for her understanding of the why. Um, let's find a great resource. Let's find an article. Let's find a book. Let's find a sermon. Let's uh, look at it from the word of God. And let's do everything we can to wash her with the water of the word to help her and to renew her mind with it. That's good. Can I say as a wife to the men who has been the wife who has found my identity in motherhood and in parenting or in my children. The second that you make your wife feel that love and appreciation and feel like she's first, this is kind of two parts. So that, and when you, when you are showing interest in your children as well, that's like a two part thing that really draws us in because when we don't feel the connection with our husband's, it's so easy to go to these little gifts that God gave us because the love for them is so unconditional. So I know for us, when Chris put down things in his life that were hindering our connection, hindering my feeling loved by him, it was so much easier for me to not put the kids first because he was fulfilling in me what he's supposed to be fulfilling in me. And also I will say too, and also when I started really getting in the word and uh, filling that void with God, (laughs) because again, it's so easy to feel lonely in motherhood and feel unappreciated and lose that connection with your spouse because of X, Y, Z, your, your postpartum body, your busy schedules, your lack of, you know, your new identity. And so, so good. yeah. So I just feel like that's something that maybe a husband needs to hear the it's reciprocated. Sometimes yeah. we put, put it into our children because we just don't feel it from our spouse or from God. Yeah, that's a great point. And I was taking some things for granted there too, in my answer, because uh, another thing that it, it could partly be is if mom doesn't feel like dad is any kind of nurturer at all, you know, because mm-hmm. the woman is going to be more the nurturer. But if she feels like dad is super detached, she feels mm-hmm. like she's got to pull his weight as well. Absolutely. So you touched on that there with your answer, which was really yes. good. And that dad, if you're, if you're disengaged from the kids and you're just like, woman, be with me. But she doesn't see that you're fathering the children. 
she feels as though she has to do both of your jobs. So now mommy has to love them extra hard because daddy's not doing that. So there's so yes. that's why I said there's so many specifics and in, in, in each situation, um, like this is what I work with with clients, of course, like I'm asking them questions. I'm finding out what are you facing? What are you dealing with? Well, my wife, this. All right. Well, tell and then I've got 50 more questions for him so we can diagnose it. But that's a great point. Father your children. Well, let her see, hey, I'm not neglecting the kids. I love the kids. Um, I, I tell people, I tell my clients, I tell Natalie, I love the kids more than she loves the kids. And I love her more than I love the kids. And I love God more than I love them all. And it's not a competition. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to compete with her, but um, she's like, you think you love them more than me? And I'm like, I know I do in a conversation. I don't care to fight with you about it. Um, <laughs> so, so the more she sees me loving and, and cherishing our children, the more she's going like, wow, like I feel so, super secure. The kids aren't going to be yes. neglected uh, yes. if I prioritize John Michael. So that's, yeah, that's yeah. super good, Jonna. Yep. So I think now, you know, it's easy for the three of us who are professing Christians to be like, yeah, this all makes sense. This is God's design. This is good. We're clear, clearly walking it out in our individual marriages and seeing the fruit from it. So I want to ask, why is culture pushing back so hard on this design, on the man being the head, on a, a nuclear family? Yeah, it's super old, and y'all know that. It goes back to the Garden of Eden with the literal Adam, mm -hmm. with the literal Eve, the people that Jesus believed existed, and um, where Satan influenced. So people people want what's best, Gen generally speaking. Like people aren't, people generally don't hate themselves. They're generally trying to do the best thing, but we don't know what it is, and we're often deceived, just like Eve was, mm -hmm. and and we're often deceived into thinking this is the best thing. So Satan's tricks are as old as the garden where he's still asking the question, did God really say? It's just mm -hmm. a modern twist on, did God really say that you can't eat from this tree? Did God really say this is how it's supposed to be? So we know really we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. I'm tempted to look at society, culture, the nonsense around us and go, oh, it's this or it's that, or it's these people or those people. But it's Satan who hates God's good design. So God loves hills and God loves valleys. God loves oceans and God loves deserts. God loves variety. God loves the masculine, the strong masculine, and he loves the soft feminine. All of these he made and he calls good. Well, Satan hates it. Satan wants androgyny. Satan wants sameness. Satan wants to level everything. He calls it equality. He, he, he covers it in, in false language to make us think, well, that sounds good. That sounds fair. I want fairness. Who could be opposed to fairness? What kind of, you know, what kind of villain would oppose fairness? But really God's design has been perfect. And, and what we're seeing in culture is it's folks who have been deceived. It's people who they genuinely believe that, man, sameness is what we need. And, and they're pursuing uh, what they think is equality. They're pursuing sameness where everything has to be the same for you and the same for me. If it's not, then it's not fair. And, and we think that hierarchy is bad. We're afraid of authority. We understand authority in government. We understand authority in, in other settings. But when it comes to the household, Satan fights it. Because as a man goes, so goes the household. As the household goes, so goes the church. As the church goes, so goes society. So if Satan can attack just one particular role and take down everything else, that's what he's trying to do. And and he's been successful at that. You strike the shepherd, 
and the sheep are scattered. So as he's been able to strike men and masculinity in general, it's not that he just hates men. He hates everybody. Satan hates women. He hates children. So he, he goes after the shepherds, convinces the shepherds to, to yield and to be passive in our leadership. Let's put that burden on someone who, who wasn't designed to carry it. Um, but logically, it seems right. Logically, it seems like, well, I can't argue with the fact that Satan hates everybody. So he attacks the shepherd. Like the scripture tells us, if the shepherd is struck, then the sheep will be scattered. So Satan hates women. Satan hates children. Satan hates men. Satan hates God's good design. So he's always going to oppose it. He's always going to try and put burdens where they don't belong. And we see this again, like you said, we see this through culture. And it's not that people, people are doing what they think is best. It's just that we've been deceived. So good, man. (laughs) So good. And I think it's good because it would be easy for us to get into the weeds and say, oh, toxic masculinity or or men are being feminized by by culture and all these different things. But you're right. It's just it's just a ball of deception. And people's intentions are still pure, regardless of if we agree with them or or not. Well, maybe not pure, but they want the right way. But people have good intentions. So even even when people say things such as like, hey, drag queen story hour is okay for for your kids. They still believe that, you know what, like. This is good because our kids need to understand people that are different and still love them and and accept them and whatnot. But we know that that's directly against what God says, directly against God's design for how He made us and how He expects us to live. So I think it's I think it's very good to leave it at it is complete deception, and it's very clear that when you collect the evidence and say, "Here's God's way, here's man's way," God's way prospers. Every time it's you're rarely going to find somebody who's saying, hey, I just I'm just trying to be more wicked. You know, there's mm-hmm. it's always and especially right. in our modern day. There's always that veil of we're doing what's right. You know, it's the virtue signaling. It's no, this is the, actually mm-hmm. the best thing. And of course, scripture talks about that as well. They they glory in what should be their shame. So the very thing that they should be hiding, they're proud of. And they're I mean, they're throwing a whole month long celebration for and rubbing in everybody else's faces because they're saying this is actually a good thing. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what Eve's perception became too. She saw that it was, that it was good. It looked good to her. She said, man, this is good for food. Well, it, you may, it may seem that way, but unfortunately it's going to kill you. So, so we've covered the role of the husband. We've briefly touched on the, you know, Hey, why, why is culture pushing back on this? Um, and now I want to kind of dive into sex because you say some really great things about sex. So what are your thoughts on sex in marriage and the importance of that? And I mean, I'll just kind of give you the floor on this one. Another softball. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah, man, this one's super fun. So, um, (laughs) so the starting point for sex, especially, you know, when I'm talking to Christ followers, I start off and I come on strong with God loves sex and the devil hates sex. God is uh, God invented it. It is not. It's not in Satan's jurisdiction. It's not his playground. Again, Satan is a distorter. Satan is a pervert. Satan takes what God made good, and then Satan just rearranges things and says, "Hey, isn't this better?" No, it's not. Well, doesn't it look better? Sometimes it does actually, but again, it kills me. 
the way that you're doing things, the way you run things, Satan. The way you do things makes me miserable. You know, it makes me sick. You know, physically, it can kill me. Uh, and there's all kinds of baggage and torment that comes along with it. But God, God loves it. He made it and he calls it good. He actually made Adam and Eve naked to enjoy one another, to be fruitful together frequently. So that's the that's step one for a lot of people is you've got to begin to embrace that and know that that's true. This isn't like, oh, he's just he's just being a shock job. No, like this is plain. This is simple. This is basic. So to understand that God made the penis, God made the vagina. These things didn't happen like after the fall, you know, orgasms started feeling good. You know, <laughs> everything that's good and wonderful about sex, God made. So that's step one is he made it. He calls it good. This is his jurisdiction. Satan's the pervert who comes in afterwards. Satan wants, God wants married people, married Christians should have the best sex. And of course, they should have the only sex because, you know, hey, everybody should be a Christian and um, only married people should be having sex. So there we go. Satan wants everybody except Christian, married Christians to be having sex. He wants you to be having sex with anybody, with anything at any time. So again, it's it's in total uh, perversion. If God says, you know, one plus one is two, Satan's going to say one plus one is 17. He's always just going to find a way to oppose. So that's step one. And then step two, we've got to understand sex is not just physical. This is not only a physical act. It definitely is a physical act and it is supposed to be. And that is not a bad thing. So let me also say that if it was just physical, that wouldn't make it somehow a bad thing. So for Christians to think, well, that's just physical. So it's, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing holy there. That would be incorrect all by itself. Um, but I will go on to say sex is physical, sex is emotional and sex is spiritual. So this is a beautiful thing that connects a husband and wife and draws a husband and wife together. And it's something that is to be richly enjoyed in marriage. If it was just physical, that would still be okay. But it's actually, it's actually a lot more than that. And we, we know that to be true. That's why, you know, if it was just physical, we'd be okay with our spouses doing it with somebody else because it'd be like a handshake. Um, but we know there's a lot more going on in the act of sex. So yeah, it's all God's, it's all good. And it's something to be cultivated and, and pursued in marriage. I totally, I totally feel the deception on that too, right? Because it's so common for even, even Christians. I'm not, I'm not even going to go with the secular world. I mean, what is it? Upwards of 65 plus percentage percent of church going Christian men look at pornography on a weekly basis. You know, it's just incredible. So, so I mean, I have, I've done some deep studies on like just the psychology behind it. And, and you can clearly see that, like you said, when, when you said sometimes Satan makes it look better, but then you actually look at how our brains function and you're like, wait a second, we're not, we were never intended to experience the level of dopamine hit, right? In looking at like multiple different women and, and like sexual, uh, images and things like that. Like our bodies were never, ever intended for that. And clearly we see that a lot of issues that guys would have with sex and stuff would stem from like, well, shoot that, that uh, like, this is, this is nothing like this fantasy world in the pornography realm, or this is, or this is nothing like, okay, you know, back before when you have multiple partners and, you know, like, this is all about me, you know, and, and me, me and John did an episode. I can't remember the the number. We always we always forget. But 
we we did an episode on selfish sex and just how that's another deception, right? It's not only like we want what we want uh, from a pornography perspective and like variance and all that stuff, but but sometimes I think I think that deception has now created when we come into marriage, we've only known it as a selfish act. We've never known it as something to be giving and like, like make love. What is that? You know, for, for a guy, most of the time he's like, make love. What? Like, this isn't love. This is just sex. Right. So, so how do we, how do we shift that in a guy um, with his past experience of like sex has always been just selfish sex. It's not, it's not been about love and, and God's gift. Yeah. Well, the, our answers, of course, you know, are always the same, uh, to renew our minds in the word of God and to actually believe and see things the, the way God does. And in a society, in a world where, you know, everybody is taught that we're animals we're you know, we're stardust. It accidentally turned into something else, which accidentally turned into something else, which brought us to this moment. You know, we're just mammals out here humping each other. So a lot of folks who, who take that perspective, and like you said, that stuff is, bleeds into the church because my work as a coach, I only work with Christ followers and I run into these huge barriers all the time where Christ followers are thinking about sex exclusively as a physical thing. And, and they need to be, they need, they're missing out on the blessing and the refreshment that, that comes from, from giving and receiving. Um, because, because both are important, both are a part of any normal relationship and they should both be a part of the sex act and, and the, and the relationship in general in the marriage. So I would just steer a guy, first of all, you know, he's, he's got to just start to hear those things and, and meditate on those things, take those things to the Lord and ask the Lord, Hey, what would it look like? And, and ask God to, and this is weird for people because again, their people are weird. God's not weird. So if you're making this weird out there, listeners, this is you, this isn't God. <laughs> But God, God made this stuff good. You're the one who's making it all like, this is awkward. I can't ask God into our bedroom. Well, first of all, God's already in your bedroom. Newsflash. Like he's been there the whole time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you need to ask for his blessing and his, in his perspective. And thankfully there's resources. There's, you know, there are different books written by saints who, who are going to help you to think through some things differently. Um, where you can just start to say, you know what? I need to get a perspective shift. I've had I've been, we're fish that don't know we're wet. We've been swimming our whole lives and, and we had no idea that we were in the water. So there, there are paradigms and there's probably many areas of our lives like that, but there are many paradigms in our lives where we just don't know what we don't know. So for starters, for any of you who are listening to this, you're like, whoa, like that was shocking. And, and at the same time, it bears witness with me. And, and I know that there's truth here. Well, what do I do next? Um, other than sign up for the family captain, of course, what do I do next? Uh, there you go. Nice plug. <laughs> thank you. They're there. You know, I mean, just bro, I don't know. Get on Amazon, like look up Christian sex books. I mean, find some articles and, and some things that'll continue to, to point you in a direction where you go, you know what? I need to, I need to keep feeding this perspective. Cause I want to see things the way God does. And I want, I want his blessing and I want his best because again, what we're describing here is the best sex. It's not like, oh man, you mean I've got to give up? Yes, you've got to give up your mud pie so that you can have the pure gold. As somebody who used to dabble with mud pies, as somebody who was addicted to porn, as somebody who didn't have the sex life that he wants, as somebody who I'm so tempted to 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 
to brag in this moment, but I don't think it would be well received. So I'm not even going to bother. We'll just say (laughs) as somebody who is ecstatically married and who is literally on vacation with his wife right now. And as we went to bed last night, we looked at each other. We literally laughed out loud. This actually happened standing before God. I'm telling you the truth about our sex life just from yesterday itself. And, uh, Hmm. and I just thanked God literally because if people knew where we were, to where yesterday was, they wouldn't believe me. They would think, wow, this right. guy's full of, this guy's an absolute liar. So mm-hmm. I love that I sound like a salesman, but I love that I'm telling the truth. So, ah, <laughs> dude, I love it. So, no, so man, God is so good awesome. and he is good for you and for your marriage. And yeah, it's something to be pursued. Mm, so good, man. So I will give you my famous question as we end this thing. And that is, what is one question that we didn't ask you that you wish we would have asked you? And then I'm going to ask you to kind of um, talk about your coaching program and tell people how they can find you and, and we'll wrap it up. So what, sh- what should you have asked me that you didn't ask me? Um, how, how does a guy actually move forward? You know, how, how can a household move forward or for, for a wife listening who's saying, Hey, I want God's ideal. I want God's best, but we're not walking that out. How do we begin to to move forward in it? So if you're the husband, what what do you do to move forward? Well, you you take your steps to to practically lead your family with strength and love. You find out wherever you're at, you know, you don't try and eat the whole elephant at once. It's faithfulness that God rewards. So whatever you see in your marriage, whatever you see in your family life, what is currently um, not what's currently disorderly? So that's a great place for guys to start. Where do you see disorder? Like it might literally be your bedroom. Uh, is your bedroom just like a war zone, a disaster, like junk everywhere? Is your house junky? Like there's there's no there's no wrong way to begin um, to actually lead with strength and love. And that's one thing I always point out for my clients is, hey, what needs to be subdued? Where do you see weeds growing and where do you see disorder? Um, because that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is well-ordered. We're not talking about perfectionism here. But we're talking about you know moving something forward. So that's a great place to start. Don't panic if you're like I've got, you know, like you too. We've got kids everywhere. Oh no, there's a toy. You know, what are we doing? We're not following the Lord. You know, but to to generally look at those kinds of things. So that's a great place to start. And for a woman to say, hey, I want this. I want my husband to lead well. What can I do? Well, you can embrace what you can embrace. You can embrace the feminine, and you can continue to say, Lord, help me to walk that out. What does it look like? to obey what the scriptures teach. What does it look like for me to be the helper that God has called me to be? God, help me to to be free of the baggage. Don't let me let Satan define these terms in my mind. Let me be the godly woman you've called me to be who can who can help move our family forward. And you'll both find you'll both find there's plenty of action there. There's plenty of low-hanging fruit. You won't even get that prayer off your lips before the Holy Spirit is saying, "Oh, I'm so glad you asked." Uh, my son, uh, what you could do. Uh, here's one thing. A lot of times guys jump straight to, I need to be the spiritual leader, which I don't have time to get into why Christendom has defined that word. It, we actually define, we actually turned thing, we, male headship, we, we lessened it and we turned it into being the spiritual leader because we wanted to strip man of authority, uh, strip husbands of authority. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make it sound like it was, he was only in charge of making sure we got to service on time on Sunday, but that's a whole nother ball a wax. But um, no matter what and no matter where he's at, he's got to find opportunity. 
and, and, and ways and places to grow. So how does he do it? it? He starts in prayer. That's the question that should have been asked. And where, what does he do first? He, he just asked the Lord, Lord, how can I lead my family better? And then I just wanted to prep him and say, hey, bro, it doesn't only mean getting in the word with the family. Although, of course, like you should be showing and teaching and leading your family in the scriptures. Another thing we're taking for granted here today that we never should. Dude, fire. Love it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So I, I, I love the name of your coaching program, right? The Family Captain. So cool. Um, tell us about the Family Captain, where guys can find out more about that, your content, all that good stuff, and then, and then we will say goodbye. Yeah. So the Family Captain is, it was born out of my own pain, just out of my own story. Natalie and I were happily married. Everything was fine. Everything's just fine, 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 good, fine. But I wanted it to be, I wanted to be ecstatically married. And, and I knew that things were off. I knew that embracing the whole 50-50 thing, the Lord continued to show me that the struggles in our family were because Adam was passively chilling and, and defaulting and deferring. So Natalie had the anxiety that comes from carrying a load she wasn't meant to carry. At the same time, logically, she felt as though, well, it's fair for me to do this. And of course me, I was able to enjoy, I was able to be lazy and go, I'm married to a powerful woman. She's capable in her own right. You know, and I was able to justify it all. And as my wife was crushed and pressed with anxiety, and this was of course, as a pastor years ago, um, modeling this for the church, unfortunately. But um, as I went on a journey to, to grow and change and transform, the Lord showed me what it looked like to lead with strength and love. And that's when he showed me the three legs of leadership to, to, to love my family a lot so that they know it, to take ownership of outcomes, and then to use the power that I have to do what's best for the family. So as I began to focus on John Michael and not blame Natalie for problems, whether it be our sex life or anything else, um, surprise, surprise, Natalie responded really well, and things continued to transform in our marriage. So as we did that, I realized, wait a second, like other families could use this, other families need this. And um, I actually felt called and believed fully that this is where the fight is. I don't think I'm in a niche. I think this is the thing that the church should be fighting for. I think this is the issue of the day. I think if Martin Luther was here, he wouldn't be fighting for the doctrines of grace. And it's not that they're not important. It's just that they're not under attack. And nobody cares if we post on our timeline about you know, the grace of God or the blood of Jesus or the resurrection of Christ, they'll just pat us on our little Christian superstitious heads and send us on our way. Um, but when we talk about these things, the spirit of the age rises up and cannot tolerate any of this. You know, the tolerant age, of course, can't tolerate any of this. So um, that just goes to show that this is where Satan is fighting and this is where he's drawn the line. So this is where I'm fighting and this is where I'm prioritizing things to actually help people move forward. And so I help men to transform themselves so they can really lead their families with strength and love, with zero manipulation of their wives. This is not the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Um, wives wives are, are my biggest fans once their husbands get into the family captain. But we move forward through that together through 12 weeks, and we touch on different dimensions where we're looking at God's good design, and we get super practical. I'm ruthlessly practical about finding a path forward so the guys don't get stuck and so that guys have a, a real and a sustainable, continuous path forward to lead their family into the future so that they know what it looks like to build a family culture so that they can have an incredible sex life with their wives uh, so they can actually really shepherd their children well 
And ultimately, like a lot of my clients, they're coming in looking to turn things around and improve things now. Um, I've got guys who've been in crisis, turn it around. I've got guys who are, man, things are at an eight and I'm going to take them to a 10. I've had guys who say they're at a 10 and they want 11. So that's always fun. But I'm really thinking long game as well, because I want dudes not to just change their own family culture, but to disciple others and ultimately to be 80 years old in a rocking chair with their wife, with the blessing of the Lord all around them and great grandchildren who are walking and following with the Lord and them experiencing the blessing. So that's what we're doing. We're out here working with dudes and, and changing family cultures and, and, and pleasing the Lord and, and fighting the fight that we should fight, but we're not doing it through angry tweets. We're not doing it through, um, through drama and, and fighting with people and, and the flesh We're we're going straight for the heart of the issue. I think that's so good. And I think we're fighting similar fights here with similar goals. And I'm thankful uh, to have you share that with us. Cause you said something earlier that sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. And I think that it's been really easy for a lot of us to think marriage is just this mundane. You get the house, you get the kids, you work your life away. You sometimes have fun times, occasionally have sex and that's just it. And you know, you're, you just told us and we're here to tell the listener, no, like it can be better. It can be good. God intended it to be good and not just going through the motions here. So I'm thankful for Amen. the fight you're fighting, John Michael. Thank you so much for sharing this. And um, did you say, uh, did I miss, did you say where they can find the family captain, your website or your social you you did not miss it. I just totally didn't say it. So best place to find me <laughs> where I'm putting out everything right now is right there on my Facebook profile. So my personal profile, just John Michael Clark. And um, that's where I'm just churning out content. There's tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff for you to scroll through and look through. If there's anything I can help you with, just reach out. If you're interested in the family captain, we'll chat about it and see if it's a great fit for you. If not, I'll still give a good recommendation for whatever I think would be good for you moving forward. But that's the best place to get a hold of me right now. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks, John. John Michael. That's that's a complicated one for me, but yes. Thank you, John Michael. (laughs) We so appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you.